I wanted to take a minute to say happy holidays to our Abundant Beings family and thank you for subscribing and listening. Also, please share and have an abundant holiday. I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. I'm learning every day. Yeah. You know, about what do you do when you have a question? Like a new tax strategy. Um, so I, there's a lot of people out there that I, um, that I rely on that are a lot smarter than me to break this stuff down because I don't understand tax code. I don't understand law. Like I'll go find those people who've broken it down in a way that's understandable for me, or I'll go find some, some CPE or I'll go read about it. I'll go read articles or I'll go read, you know, different things. Um, or I'll go to the, you know, I'll go to the code and then I'll go you know, find other sources to say, oh, well, you know, we apply this or that or this other thing to this situation. I also have a group of, a bunch of groups of people that I really, really trust. So if I need help with something or whatever, I'm going to them for that help um, generally. So I think it's really about knowing you don't know everything um, and knowing who to go to when you don't know everything. Uh, you know, today my biggest pet peeve are, uh, I would say, people. So you know, there's that phrase "fake it till you make it," mm-hmm. right? I think there's a difference between faking it till you make it and misrepresenting yourself <laughs> until you make it. Um, so I like I, that. I would say misrepresentation until you make it is not the way to go. Uh, faking until you make it mm-hmm. probably the way to go. Yeah, so. I think <laughs> those are totally different things. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, I literally, I mean, no names or whatever, but uh, I've had an appointment this morning mm-hmm. and. You know, it's we're we're doing this podcast to help mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and small mm-hmm. business owners and people yeah. get their stuff up and running. This and is what I, we love to do. Well, love to do it, and ran into a new real estate broker kind of mm-hmm. two days into the industry. Like, mm-hmm. very excited to kind of go. Love a little baby real estate broker, and it's so exciting. You know, like the energy is just incredible mm-hmm. and just totally clueless. <laughs> and you know, not that I'm the mm-hmm. be all end all of mm-hmm. Denver real estate, but I've been doing this a little bit mm-hmm. and. She just misrepresented herself in such a bad way. Yeah. It was just like, wow, you're you're gonna need some help. Daily pet peeve. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> you know, and and as we go into like for our firm, as we go into a new niche, right? You know, like we people ask us all, all the time, how many veterinary practices do you have? I'm like, full disclosure, I have three. Yeah. And it's great and I'm loving it and I'm happy I picked this niche, but I'm not gonna pretend like I know more than I do, but I'm gonna figure it out. And what's wrong with being the first? Right. Everybody starts somewhere. Start somewhere. Oh, by the way, here are my references. Like, <laughs> but I've been working with businesses for the last uh, eighteen, <laughs> almost two decades. You know what you're doing. I do. Yeah. So new niche. Well, I would say you kind of inspired me to I niche down. Did I do that? You did with your veterinarians. Yes. Yes. So it kind of made me think, what is something that I'm really passionate about Mm -hmm. and something I know? Mm -hmm. And then instead of casting my net so wide, let's start narrowing it down so then I can focus on really helping an industry that I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. and love. So fitness, I mean, it's my entire life. So what are some of the biggest obstacles and issues in prescribing cannabis for animals? 
Yeah, well, that's uh, kind of a loaded question. Like the big question. <laughs> so um, let's actually do a little bit of background for yeah, that one yeah, first. So definitely. prescription is actually a, a pretty a word that we have to do some pretty semantic mm. care care around. Mm-hmm. And so the reason for that is uh, cannabis as a whole, mm-hmm. it has two specific sub- subtypes, so hemp right. and marijuana. Mm-hmm. So marijuana is still a Schedule One substance per the DEA. So I have a DEA license. Most veterinarians do. So it means that I can't prescribe cannabis because mm-hmm. it's on a Schedule One mm-hmm. list and I can prescribe anything that's two through five. Okay. So just kind of knowing like what that word prescribe mm-hmm. means, it entails that it's on a specific list somewhere mm-hmm. that I can give out to a patient. Mm-hmm. And then hemp side is not a controlled substance anymore. And so you actually can't prescribe something that's not on the DEA list. Mm-hmm. And so you don't prescribe hemp because it's not on a list so we just and you suggest. can't prescribe. You can just... we suggest? Yes. Okay. Suggest advice, guidance, education, okay. all those. We just don't don't use the word prescribe. All right, I'm going <laughs> to mark that one off. I did. <laughs> the other one that's really tricky is recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, in states like Colorado that have medical laws, mm-hmm. they've specifically written into policy that a physician can get around that same prescription mm-hmm. sort of shenanigans mm-hmm. by saying, I can write you a recommendation. Mm-hmm. So as your, if I was your physician, I could write you, I think it's a good idea for you to have cannabis. You take that to the state. They give you a cannabis card. You mm-hmm. take it to the dispensary. But that wasn't written to policy for veterinarians, so I can't make a recommendation mm. either. So those two words are my own. So that's one avoid. of the dichotomies we see a lot is yeah. that, you know, we're a lot of the laws are applied to human. Yeah, all all cannabis laws medicine, are written for humans. But then veterinarians like, but yeah. you know, we wanna Yeah. You know. We're trying pretty hard to get just everyone to think of mammalian physiology mm-hmm. or um, practitioners versus physicians and veterinarians. Prescribers is another good term. So it's just kind of what your mindset yeah. is. Because a lot of the applications are similar. Yeah. Right? yeah. It, we're finding that it is mammalian, that the physiology is the same. And um, the medical, the human medical field learns a lot from the veterinary field. Absolutely. Every study that's done has a animal safety trial before it. So we actually have a lot of information. It's mostly in rats and um, mice mm-hmm. and lab animals, but mm-hmm. we can extrapolate really, really well. And we are starting to have some studies in animals, but it's mostly humans that are doing the research for us. I think most importantly is, you know, what are the biggest opportunities business owners are missing online? Um, I really think that if you are not putting yourself really out there, Mm -hmm. you are missing a huge opportunity to connect with people. And I think we want that more now than ever before. Um, the, the more the brand founder has a story and that story's out there, Mm -hmm. the more human a brand is, the more we want to do business with them. And that doesn't mean that you have to show every aspect of your life online. It simply means that you need to show up as a human being interacting with other real human beings. You know, Mm -hmm. like these are real human beings. They're not data points. Um, And I think treating people like real human beings and crafting an experience for them as human beings Mm -hmm. is essential. And I think if you're trying to do something different than that, you are missing a real opportunity to build relationships, not just like get transactions from people, but actually to build long lasting relationships where people will always drive back to you, no matter whether it's, you know, you've got a brick and mortar store or you're online for a period of time or whatever, when they form that relationship with a company they love, they will come back over and over again and they will refer you to like, to beyond really. So. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, we just did a whole new website for our business. Um, our, we put the website and the podcast and the firm together and they were not yep. together before. Um, and, um, 
trying to create a accounting firm website that doesn't look like an accounting firm <laughs> website was well the bar is low so let's yeah. start there <laughs> yeah um, it is with accounting firms yes. but there's a lot of default right so there's a lot of default to you know talking about taxes or there's a lot of default mm -hmm. to doing you know in-person video instead of like um on our website we have an animated video um and they were like but you're an accounting firm we should do you know in person and i'm like no i want to do whatever is opposite yeah. <laughs> of what's expected right um for a purpose but the big thing being we're not your normal accounting firm therefore i don't want to look like a normal accounting firm mm -hmm. um but it's still hard to like how how do you help people be more it's really about being authentic right yeah. and being okay with being authentic my first job so this is really interesting my first job was uh, i was a structural engineer so i went to college and uh did structural engineering was top of my school and got a really good job in that industry and then my buddy who i lived with at university was earning four times as much money as i was mm -hmm. in an investment bank and he had 10 percent of my brain power so i went to see him one weekend in london and we were out in a bar having a beer and his boss was there. So I, his boss pitched me. He's like, dude, come work for me. I'll quadruple your salary. So I did. I quit my engineering job and I went into the deep, dark world of investment banking. This is back in 1992 in London. And I went to work for Bank of America, which is one of the oldest investment banks in the world. And uh, that started my career as, as a deal maker. So I worked in the investment banking world for a number of years, um, ended up in corporate M&A, so I was buying businesses mm -hmm. for HP, the big uh, IT company. And then um, I quit in 2008. I almost missed the birth of my son. So I quit. I walked away from a million dollars in options and bonuses and became an entrepreneur, started buying and selling my own businesses. Um, and I still do that today. I own a private equity fund we own a ton of small businesses all over the world, but uh, my real passion is, is I coach five and a half thousand entrepreneurs and small business owners all over the world, how to buy businesses uh, without using their own money. That's yeah. my, uh, that's my skill set. Exactly. And so the, the business environment has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. Yet the way that we design our organizations has stayed relatively the same for the last 150 plus years. Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a vanguard group of organizations that are considering this and that are trying to organize their businesses and their, and their, their groups of people that are coming together in the pursuit of a common passion, common purpose. They're trying to organize them in a different way. And so, you know, let's take it back to my fourth year of veterinary school. It was being trained as a doctor right, to use the data, to use science, to help you figure out problems. And you're, you're, been tra you've, you're trained to also look for the root cause, the root problem of a healthcare issue. Don't just treat the symptoms. You wanna be a good doctor, treat the root cause. Right. And so when I looked around at what I was experiencing uh, at school, I looked at it like a symptom, right? This poor well-being in the workplace was a symptom. And so what's the cause? What's the root cause? And as I kept peeling the layers of the onion back, it came down to this. It mm -hmm. came down to this way that we design our organizations and the way we lead them 
and the way that we engage people on the front lines, the employees, those who are closest to the customer. Mm-hmm. Do you want them to just show up and do the work, punch the clock, or do you want them to actually engage in the process of developing a business and solving problems? Use their brains. Their brain, right. Do you find, and I think I talk about this all the time, but I find that if you ask people to make a 10-year goal, it's tiny, right? So like people people don't, they can't cast vision to 10 years. That's big enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, but if you ask them to make a one-year goal, it's going to be way too big to be, to be available. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I try we, to, yeah, we always go we for that 10-year asking. goal and then we go back, we back yeah. into the one year. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, when I challenge, challenge people with that 10, 15, 20 year goal, they really, mm-hmm. really struggle with that. We do. And, um, you're right. You know, I've worked with a couple of companies recently and they, they're almost achieving their 10 year goal in two, two and a half years. Just, it's you know, just because they didn't think big enough. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in the middle of the pandemic, I decided to start a cybersecurity and data protection company. Although it was an idea I'd been toying with for a while and I was like talking with the other company about, but it wasn't like the right fit. And I Mm -hmm. I think like ownership wasn't really into it and it never really went anywhere. And then it was like, then when I no longer had my job there, it was like, well, you know, it's, and then I had some backing from people in the industry that were like, I think you should roll with this. And yeah, so we went with it and it's, things have been going well. I think, I mean, it's definitely something the veterinary industry needs as a whole. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, especially if we, as we've gotten into doing a lot more cybersecurity audits. So kind of audit, most hospitals are like, yeah, my IT guy takes care of it. And having been on the other side of the aisle, like in the IT thing, I'm like, no, we had terrible cybersecurity practices. Mm-hmm. And then, so you, then you go in and you audit these hospitals and then it's hard because like you understand the IT guy, his excuses, but you're like, I, dude, like I get it. Like, I know why you're doing it this way. Mm-hmm. Just not the right way to do it. And that's why we're here. And mm-hmm. there's this weird dance there, but yeah. Um, just trying to help practices navigate this space. And uh, yeah. And I think a lot of it also comes down to is a lot of hospitals don't want to have like a really expensive fully what we call in the technology world an MSP mm-hmm. where they're paying, you know, upwards of two to $5,000 a month or whatever for, for it. So it's like, you know, what I had found is if you focus on the cybersecurity and data protection piece first, mm-hmm. that shores up a lot of your gaps that then result in like needing like a full-time IT guy to kind of constantly be fixing things and resolving problems. So if you kind of shore a lot of that stuff up, then you, do, then, you know, you can kind of get it to a point where it will kind of roll, you know, like as long as you kind of then stay up, think about it a few times mm-hmm. a year and just kind of stay on top of it. Um, you can just manage your costs a little bit better. So yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Taking the time to just sit down and like write what needs to, like what goals I need to achieve every day is yeah. significantly changed what gets done around here um, and how I feel at the end of the day about yeah. what happened. Cause it's so easy to just hop into the inbox Um and deal with all the little stuff that really doesn't need a you know an immediate reply or anything like that like we could i could spend all day in my inbox getting you know client needs this client has a question about that you know staff needs this blah blah blah. if i sit down (laughs) and intentionally say this is what needs to happen today 
Um, uh, we use we use the whole firm. We use a we use a program called Gears that my coach teaches. Um, okay. So it's your goals, your events for the day, your actions, when you're going to rest, um, or when you're done, and then how you're going to take care of yourself that day. Um, and it's just G E, you know, gears all the way down. I just stick it right in my planner. I the whole team has the same planner. That's awesome. Um, and we all because it's five letter, it's five spaces in each day. <laughs> it works perfectly. Um, and I know if I have a ton of events, I'm not gonna get a touch, I'm not gonna really get any large projects done. But I I've I've learned that by sitting down and doing this every day, um, or every work day. And it's been a game changer. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.